Good morning. Uh, Jeff Cohn here from the Wall Street Resource, and joining me is Sean Main and John Flores. And uh, Sean is the CEO, uh, John being the Executive Vice President of Converge Technology Solutions. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, for those not familiar with Converge Technology Solutions, uh, Sean, can you tell us a little bit about the company? Sure. So uh, Converge plays into the IT solution provider space, which provides uh, traditionally network uh, storage and uh, uh, server resources to uh, corporates and government. Um, and so this, these are the, the plumbing that makes your IT work. And uh, what Converge is is a roll-up of buying a national footprint of IT solution providers. Uh, in the last two and a half years, we've bought 11 so far um, to give us coverage uh, of these, providing that kind of technology into corporates and government, and especially now as these companies move more into the cloud, providing them both on-premise, that equipment on-premise, but also in a hybrid IT or cloud environment. Okay, so just so I'm, I'm clear, are you doing consulting or are you selling product? And if you're selling product uh, as well, is it uh, hardware and software? So we, we do both. We, we buy companies that are primarily selling product, hardware and software on-premise. And what we convert those to is hybrid IT providers that we are uh, helping, especially mid-size, so up to 10,000 seat companies through their cloud journey. So Gardner and Forrester talks about how most people are uh, 25 to 30% through their cloud journey. We'll go into your data center and say, hey, here are the things that you can move out to the cloud. Here's the ones you want to stay on premise, and here's the ones you want to put on either a public or private cloud. So there's a, a service offering as we help move those applications into a hybrid IT environment. Okay, and, and the advantage there, I, I assume, is cost savings, and is there, are there other advantages in optimizing? So yes, there's, there's several advantages. So cost is one, but it's more uh, you find that people whose core business is not technology, so healthcare and finance be two of our strongest verticals, where uh, a finance company doesn't want uh, lots of tech people and tech resources in their offices. They'd rather have brokers and traders. And so they look to outsource the non-core parts of their business. And so it's not just a, a cost, but there's a, a knowledge um, there that they don't have. And this is more of a uh, OpEx versus CapEx kind of conversation as well. So yes, there can be cost savings, but there's also just different business models around security. We, we hear about all these people getting hacked and privacy of data. And a lot of companies are, especially in the mid-tier, not well-equipped to deal with these things or knowing where to put those workloads to make, make it most cost-effective. So I think the people who their core competency is not technology look to outsource that and, and not have them be on-premise anymore, but have them as a service as much as possible. Okay. So I imagine it's a competitive field. Uh, so where do you fit in in terms of uh, size and, and, and how do you stand out? So that's a great question. Um, there are certain parts of the market that are quite, uh, um, say, well-covered. So product in Cisco is one of the examples. If you resell Cisco, 
products like routers. There's a lot of partners. But Cisco also does an audit of all their partners. And we are in the top 3% uh, because of the service capabilities we were talking about around cybersecurity, artificial intelligence and analytics, and machine learning, um, the DevOps, being able to move applications to the cloud. That's what makes us unique. And although most companies in the space love to focus the large enterprise side, we've really focused in on the mid-tier space. Why we've been buying smaller providers, we're getting to the kind of billion-dollar run rate size now, um, but covering a, really all the NFL cities is our goal um, because the mid-tier has been left behind. If you, you know with a lot of the immigration controls, um, tech employment is negative 4% in the U.S. That means you have to take someone out of a job to find a tech resource. So with the scarcity of those resources, the large enterprise might be getting some of these skill sets, especially in the West Coast. But if you're a mid-tier provider in the Southeast or, say, Texas, it's much more difficult to get these kind of skill sets. So by focusing in on that tier and being the trusted advisor partner for um, those kind of companies, that's why our, our growth and our, our gross profit is, is uncommon for our industry, where our gross profit has been coming in at 23%, uh, mainly because of the kind of software-enabled Red Hat VMware kind of skill sets. Uh, the industry is more in the 16 to 17%. Okay, and then at this stage uh, in in Converge, um, a roll up uh, is, is a big part of the company, and, and it's a big part of your growth strategy. Is that correct? That is correct. So, so one of the things I found so, um, particularly unusual is that most people who are doing roll ups are are looking to raise money or, or user currency. Um, but in, in your case, you're doing the opposite. You're buying back stock. How, how does that fit in? So we do not require equity to buy a company. So it's very um, – my uh, an identical to a brother named Shane Main, and we created a company called Pivot um, at the end of 2010, which was the first time we tried the theory. John Scully, the former CEO of Apple, before then he ran Pepsi, was partnered with Shane and a guy named Gordon McMillan, who's our current chairman. And Shane's thesis was you can buy – high-revenue, low-margin companies without requiring equity if you structure them correctly. And the reason that we buy product-centric uh, IT solution providers or value-added resellers and then turn them into service providers is because we can buy them for four to five times and then you turn them into something more valuable by turning them into an IT solution provider. But the way per $100 million of revenue, um, these companies on average when we're acquiring them makes 3%. So per $100 million of revenue, they're they are basically worth, say, at five times $15 million worth per $100 million of revenue. We structure the deals that 50 to 60% of that is up front. So at 60%, call it $9 million, um, which we finance their balance sheet to, because we buy them cash-free, debt-free with normal working capital. And then so a clean balance sheet, we, we finance their own asset and hand them the upfront check. And then we pay them the rest, the other $6 million per $100 million of revenue, through an earnout. So it hasn't required an equity check for me to buy a company. Very interesting. Uh, and, and it sounds uh, like they're accretive immediately as well? They're immediately accretive. So um, the two things is everyone talks about buying companies and adding services. Um, our president, Greg Berard, was the president of Lighthouse that we bought in December of 2018. And when he took over Lighthouse in 2014, um, they were doing 5% software sales. Um, and now last year, uh, 
So when we acquired them, they were doing 65% software sales. So Greg became my president of the East, my East region, and then president of Converge because he's been able to buy these companies, take that customer base, and cross-sell software as a lead into hybrid IT uh, services. So if you can do that and you're really buying a customer list and then cross-selling, we've got a really special relationship with IBM because of the Red Hat um, sales, which are key for a hybrid IT environment, the, the, the containers or Kubernetes, uh, VMware, the other software provider that Dell EMC owns that allows multi-cloud environments. If you're software-led and you know how to do that, then these become extremely accretive companies in the space, um, especially the European ones trade more than 15 times, um, but the exit multiple, a lot of guys in the U.S., who uh, are doing this is more than 10 times. If you're buying from five and they're worth at least 10, then you're, you're doubling just uh, the moment you acquire them. Okay. And, and then um, is there anything proprietary or, or that you've picked up, or is, is it just know-how that, that makes it tick? So we do have our reference architectures, which are – that's really the um, – the service delivery mechanisms by going in and turning someone into a hybrid IT provider, including around our cybersecurity group. We have a lot of um, ways of different models. It's not about a bigger firewall. It's different ways of storing data. So in the past where you used to have um, a safe basically in the corner with all the arrows pointing to it, if you break into this, you get all the goodies. Now we store things in multiple places. So if someone gets on your system and steals your files, they get ones and zeros that are meaningless. They don't get useful data because you need to give your credentials and pull it together from three different spots to make it useful. So those architectures are IP. We also have a company called Becker Carroll, which is a world-leading uh, identity management and enterprise blockchain provider up in Canada that you will start to see some things this year. So uh, a lot of we are packaging together our uh, our prime partners' uh, capabilities, and it's the way we deliver those solutions to our customers, is, which is really our kind of secret sauce. Okay. And then where are you in the process of, uh, of this? You've made a number of acquisitions. Are there are there's still a great number out there to, to acquire? Yep. So there was – when we started, there was three phases that we went through. Phase one, and again, it's hard. I was running a billion and a half version of this, and I started over from scratch because we thought it was a better model. In phase one, going, and we said we'd buy four to six a year. In phase one, it was broad brush geographical coverage and get all the key vendors represented. And then phase two was expand, really try to hit all the NFL cities, um, and get key capabilities around the public providers, Microsoft, Amazon, and Google, uh, IBM with Red Hat, DLMC with VMware, and Cisco as a network provider, um, and getting all those capabilities and practices that we've been talking around around helping helping people move to the cloud has really been um, the key in phase two. Now in phase three, as we go, it's all about scale and cost out. Um, we are now just uh, consolidating ERP systems. When you buy small companies in New York and on in San Francisco and L.A., they unfortunately have to put their back office people right where the front office people are, whereas when now in, in Phase 3, as we consolidate their ERP systems, we can move them to more cost-effective locations. So the synergies uh, we're really realizing is really in Phase 3. And we have had tremendous financial results with that gross profit we've had, but they'll get even better now as we do cost out in Phase 3 and scale up. Okay. Um, 
in terms of uh, synergy, uh, where where exactly uh, is the big bulk of the the cost savings and and So there's a couple things. So when we started this off, phase one, all the CEOs reported to me. In phase two, I had a regional structure, East Coast, Center, Western Canada, um, where we had presidents overseeing the various regions, implementing the converged structure. Um, but we did a lot of sales integration. So cross-selling and getting them the top tier certifications with all our prime vendors. We didn't do the ERP consolidation or the consolidation really of management teams when they're really, uh, there's duplicated, uh, duplicated in the regions. So now as we go and continue to acquire four to six companies a year, you've already got the sales enablement and really the management structures. So management is a key part of this, but then it's the back office. Um, we use an example that one of our inside sales, an account payable clerk in Silicon Valley, got hired away by someone else for 135 grand. In Jackson, Mississippi, where we have a back office, that same resource costs you 32 grand. So there's just a different, if you look at New York and LA and San Fran, the cost models there, and even trying to retain people is very difficult. So by consolidating your back office into more cost-effective locations, and then really when you're buying, so we've bought 11 companies so far, um, as you buy more, those management teams that used to do things like strategy uh, or vendors, we've got that taken care of. If they're doing sales, well, that's great. We want to keep them continue to do that. But there's a lot of, of management overlap, two companies having each having a COO or a CTO or a CFO. There's a lot of synergies there that um, you can that you can remove. Okay. Jeff, the, other, the, other piece, the other piece I'll add to that, if I may, uh, the platform that we build in by putting these companies together creates scale. Scale definitely matters in this environment. So, for example, when we bought Chorus 360 in Atlanta, they were doing about $50 million of Cisco business as a Cisco Silver partner. They became a Cisco Gold partner, as have the other 10 portfolio companies under Converge. That 1% silver rebate now jumped to a 5% rebate as a Gold partner. That's massively accretive in terms of rebates to our business. The other piece that is accretive and, and, and and really gets us some cost synergies is also a relationship with our distribution partners. So Ingram Micro is our most strategic dis distribution partner today. They've made an investment in our business as well, and um, the credit line and the credit terms um, that we have and are able to extend as a result of the volume of business we're, we're doing with Ingram is, is massive. And so by getting like 70-day terms versus 45-day terms, um, that creates, in many cases, a negative working capital model in our business. Gotcha. So, so right now you're you're selling into Canada and uh, and the U.S. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So, have you reached this critical mass in 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 both countries? We have. So, both in Canada, really the big markets there. Uh, so, Toronto and Ottawa on the federal government side, and the U.S., say uh, more like 80% of our business is U.S., um, but we really, in the east, we've got great coverage, uh, northeast, southeast. In the center, there's one acquisition that when we complete that, we'll have great coverage in the center. We've got good coverage in the west coast as well. So very, very pleased if you look at the map of our coverage. And again, our goal to hit all the NFL cities with local presence because that's where our customers are. Um, when we finish phase two in Q1 here, then we'll, be, um, we'll have all that geographical coverage that we're looking for. Okay. And then 
what's your marketing channel? Is this your own sales force, or is this uh, through VARs, or, or how, how are you reaching the market? It, so we're actually, we are the channel. So we are the channel for, and the, the interesting part is, after IBM bought Red Hat, they gave us a million dollars of market development funds to go and do road shows in the various cities that we are. So we had Red Hat paid for um, us to go around in four cities in Q4. We got eight in Q1, where we're getting 25 to 45 people, um, customers, to come to these events. They're very efficient from both the vendor side and our side, where we bring in the world experts in these areas and tell them about cybersecurity or analytics or containers and how to move to a multi-cloud environment. And that we're having our very regional salespeople, they don't have to become the experts. They have to write the right questions and get them to these events. So we've been very successful uh, marketing these around. So Dell EMC with VMware and IBM with Red Hat around these various, um, various cities that we have in Canada and the U.S. to really, we've seen more than 1,000 customers in Q3 and Q4 with our vendor partners uh, in this reach out. And our new logos that we're getting, um, especially the mid-tier, is, is impressive and shows the results for it, which is why our, our vendors have backed us to over 2 million of market development funds um, last year. Um, and as a new player in the market and a growing one, that's a, a, a great testament to the growth that we're providing for them. Okay. And can you give us a sample of who your customers are? So customers are finance and healthcare providers in the mid-tier up to 10,000. So in, in New York, we dominate the kind of finance providers and, and insurance providers in New York especially. In Florida, there's a lot of healthcare providers. And across the country, there's a, there's a mix of those. But these are people that are struggling with, we want to move workloads to the cloud. When we move that data to the cloud, is what do you do with all that unstructured data? It's what are the right questions that you're asking? So one of our biggest customers um, is from the music industry uh, doing royalty payments to, uh, to music artists based on all the various media that someone either downloads or plays their song to get a royalty payment back. So our analytics team, world-class analytics team, goes into all these data sources, pull that data together in order to work out how much a royalty payment uh, an individual artist gets. That shows you the kind of bringing data together, asking intelligent questions of it, and then producing business results. That's a lot of what our customers are looking for. Good. And so how do you get paid? What, what's your revenue model? So our revenue model is uh, usually so based on product. In this space, you tend to be in mid-tier about 15% gross profit on product sales. On services sales, we've got our own private cloud uh, offering, which is more of a disaster recovery type thing, and our, our services people tend to be 30 to 40%. But when you sell some of the software products into the mid-tier, we're making between 60 to 70% gross profit on those. So when you see our blended 23% gross profit, it shows you that we're selling more of the services type. And as we continue to uh, grow the software and the, uh, the hybrid IT cloud services, um, you continue to see that number grow. And then our EBITDA right now is kind of in the um, – a little over 5%, you can see that growing to kind of 8 to 10% as we do the synergies here in Phase 3. Okay. And then in terms of, you know, getting to where you want to be margin-wise, is that um, an ever-moving goal because you're constantly acquiring and, and getting them 
up to speed margin wise or 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 do you have a target margin correct but so over 20% is very uncommon for the industry so the fact I'm very happy with our 23% gross profit now it's the because we started with cross sell we didn't do the cost out bit so our EBITDA, although it's much better than the industry, we buy them at three and we're already at five. We look back to be kind of eight to 10%. Um, so when you can get to there, um, there's some great European uh, comparables like CanCom, which is kind of in the eight, 9% EBITDA based on the private cloud services. So there's, those are the kind of things that you, you want to get for. But as you buy them at 3%, um, the, the blend won't show it all through, but you continue to rinse, repeat. And the more that... The ones that we've been around now for a little over two years, two and a quarter years since our first acquisition, you're seeing them go up that uh, gross profit and that EBITDA contribution chain. And as we continue to buy these ones, the blend just shows a higher margin there. So you'll continue to see that. Okay. And what would you say is the biggest gating factor or inhibitor to growth? So we've got, the, we've got the model, we've got the secret sauce, and that's great. I do worry about political risk with the U.S. election in November. Um, if there was to be a, a, a large change in direction, the tax cuts have been just a, it's a wonderful environment right now to live, to be in the U.S. Uh, the corporate environment that we're delivering to now is excellent. So uh, that's the, the only worry I have would be a, a great change in the political direction um, where the tax cuts were revoked or the business climate was changed dramatically because right now this has been just a super environment for us to launch this uh, this roll-up into. And so we would probably, if there was a change of uh, dramatic change in direction in the U.S., we would probably stop the acquisitions and then just continue to see through the model that we've already been doing. But the model has been working very well. Gotcha. And then drivers, is it just new acquisitions or, or, or what are the drivers here? No, the whole drivers is Greg making us more software-enabled. When we buy these guys, they don't get involved at the application layer. Usually talk to a customer when they go, okay, I've built my applications, and now I want to go deploy them on-premise in my place of work, um, and so I'm going to buy the servers, storage, and network here. Or I need to put them on the cloud. But now we're going, hey, guys, you're going to have to exist in a multi-cloud environment, so you need to call us earlier, and we'll help you with – Red Hat and VMware, make your applications cloud-aware so they can exist in this environment. So by us changing the companies we buy to be software-led hybrid IT providers, um, we're really changing the game and the model for them. So yes, the acquisitions, because there's 175 companies, when we started this anyways, between 75 and 250 million of annual revenue is really our target. Um, we've acquired 11. Our goal is kind of get to 20 to 25 to get to kind of the two to three billion in sales mark. Um, but then continue to turn what we acquire, which are technology companies that are selling on-prem into the software enabled uh, hybrid IT provider. And Greg, our president, has been doing a super job of getting our companies and helping them transform as he did Lighthouse before we bought them. Very good. Um, so John, um, as we look out over the next 12 months, what type of news flow should we see? Um, more acquisitions or, or what types of things? Well, as Sean mentioned, you know, we have been making um, average of four to six acquisitions in a year, and, and that's obviously going to slow. Um, we will continue to to pick a few companies up here and there. Um, we, we're in active discussions with a few right now, and so you, you will see some announcements around acquisitions. I think you'll continue to see 
uh, announcements around refinement of our portfolio and how we go to market in the different solutions, as well as significant wins with large enterprise clients and really a tighter alignment with our most strategic partners, um, maybe higher designations, maybe new initiatives aligned with um, their growth plans uh, in the market as well. Very good. And, and Sean, any uh, closing remarks? Yes, yeah, so, so we're... I couldn't be more proud of us executing the plan exactly as we said we were going to. Um, now that we're finishing phase two and moving into phase three, um, really it's the numbers. Because when you, as a public company, uh, show the actual results, we don't show the results from the time up until we acquired them, only from the time we acquired them forward. But on a run rate basis, you'll see those really in our Q4 results that we'll be releasing in, in the end of March. And then as our Q1 results come out, you'll really see the dramatic gains looking at the year-on-year numbers as we showed in our Q3 results. So, um, so I just want to point out that those actual results really show the dramatic growth that we've uh, accomplished. Very good. Well, thanks, guys. I, I appreciate your time and, and hearing uh, the Converge story.